0: Hey there, welcome back to the Today's Stuff I Got A Vanetta Show. Let's see what, uh, what's going on. No fucks. No one fucks on booty judge claps back at MTG. This was posted like 15 hours ago. Anyway, uh, shout out to KAMP Houston Radio at the University of In ...here
1: out there all around the world, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, to The Late Show, I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Right now, the big story... The big story continues to be the extraordinary damage wreaked on Florida by Hurricane Ian. It's going to be a long road back for these people. If you're looking for a way to help, We've got a list of charities pinned to our Twitter account at, at Colbert Late Show. You can go there. Please give generously. We hope the state of Florida gets back to normal soon because in Florida, normal is still very strange, which is why we enjoy making so many jokes about that state. And it's, it's so important to get these people the food, the water, the shelter, whatever they need to get back on their feet, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because my graphics team has a mock-up of an alligator doing meth on a jet ski. <laughs> just burning a hole in their pocket. Today, President Biden flew down to Florida and met with Florida governor and man who learned how to stand from a men's room sign. Ron DeSantis. Governor DeSantis has been touring damaged areas to let the residents know they're not forgotten. And one thing that few will ever forget is the white knee-high boots he was sporting. Looks a little less governor on the go and more like governor of the go-go's. President Biden and Governor DeSantis put aside their politics and appeared together to let Floridians know that help is on the way. And the governor kicked things off by making the extent of the damage very clear.
2: These storms come, they're on the horizon, you kind of project, hey, it could be really bad. Oftentimes it doesn't necessarily get to that level. Well, This was, this was the full Monty. Some may
1: question whether a comedy about fully nude male strippers is the most appropriate way to refer to a natural disaster, but keep in mind, anytime you look at a map of Florida, you're getting the full Monty. Now, President Biden spoke next, and it was a heartwarming speech about unity, recovery, and strength. But I gotta point out, At no point did he throw paper towels into a desperate crowd, raising the troubling question, is Biden too old to ricochet a roll of brawny off a pensioner's noggin? Well, after the speech, you gotta ask. After the speech, the president was greeted by Fort Myers Beach Mayor Ray Murphy and was caught saying this to the mayor on a hot mic. Okay. Okay.
0: What? Okay, you applaud, but I think it what is was that wrong. On a hot mic?
1: Is the most appropriate way to refer to a natural disaster. But keep in mind, anytime you look at a map of Florida, you're getting the full Monty. <laughs> he
0: looks great, by the way.
1: And it was a heartwarming speech about unity, recovery, and strength. But i got to point out, at no point did he throw paper towels into a desperate crowd, raising the troubling question, is Biden too old to ricochet a roll of brawny off a pensioner's noggin? Well, after the speech, you got to ask. After the speech, the president was greeted by Fort Myers Beach Mayor Ray Murphy and was caught saying this to the mayor on a hot mic.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Okay, you applaud, but I think it is wrong CBS to make me bleep that. Up the coast, uh, up the coast in Georgia, scandal still surrounds GOP Senate candidate and neck with a side order of head. Herschel Walker this week, the Daily Beast reported that Walker, who has been vocally anti-abortion, paid for his girlfriend to have an abortion back in 2009. Now we've learned. GOP knew about Walker's complete hypocrisy for a long time, but their reaction ran the gamut from this abortion thing I heard, having more kids than he was copping to, I heard. I had heard about the alleged liabilities to eh it's not going to come out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we knew about all of it. The secret kids, the abortion cover-up, the backyard pit where he makes toddlers fight raccoons for sport. Oh, you guys hadn't heard about that one yet? That's not going to come out. And even if it does, sometimes the toddlers win. They generally did not seem too worried because, as another strategist put it, Herschel Walker is just a wealthy, famous football player who is obviously spreading his seed just spreading his seed his sex is unsafe he will not be a part of it his child's life but GOP is standing by their man especially former Speaker of the House and current Puckard sphincter <laughs> newt gingrich gingrich went on the fox news last night to defend walker
2: you know he's been through a long tough period he had a lot of concussions coming out of football he suffered ptsd see
1: walker isn't a bad guy he's just had so many concussions he can't possibly be held accountable for his actions you know a senator also So PTSD isn't the acronym you're looking for, Newt. Unless you think it means probably three secret daughters.
0: Right.
1: Probably three secret daughters. And because it's the GOP, Negrich had to bring up the man upstairs
2: i think he's a remarkable person i think he's the most important senate candidate in the country because he'll do more to change the senate just by the sheer presence by his confidence by his deep commitment to christ yes who could be more committed to christ
1: certainly not his opponent The Honorable Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, pastor of the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church, spiritual home of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Saying Walker is more Christian than Warnock is like saying you're more into baseball than Mr. Met. His head is a baseball, and he still hasn't had as many concussions as Herschel Walker. Over in, uh, what's the state? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We got a surprising admission from Republican senator and ghost doomed to haunt a La Quinta Inn. Ron Johnson. As we have known for a while now, on the morning of January 6th, Senator Johnson's staff attempted to deliver to Vice President Mike Pence lists of fake electors who would then be used as part of their plot to overturn the election. Johnson has repeatedly denied any involvement. But yesterday, Mm -hmm. he acknowledged texting with the former president's attorney on January 6th. Well, here's something no one's ever said before. It looks like Ron Johnson knew what he was doing. (laughs) This is pretty damning, but uh, Ron John, as the TikTokers call him, claims he had no choice here, saying, what would you do if you got a text from the attorney for the president of the United States? Uh, Smash my phone, change my name, and burn off my fingertips with a curling iron? (laughs) Ronson said "You had to respond to it. And anyway... He couldn't have done that much conspiracy because the entire episode lasted about an hour. You can do lots of illegal stuff in a short period of time, Senator. Your Honor, I plead not guilty. I was only stabbing him for about an hour. (laughs) Plus, Plus, Senator Johnson says he didn't know the contents of the package the former president's attorney wanted him to deliver. So Johnson's just an unwitting courier of illegal contraband. Yes, I swallowed those 15 balloons, but I didn't know they were full of heroin. I just thought there was a six-year-old's birthday party in my stomach. But we also got a new uh, little snippet of uh, crazy from George representative and cursed doll fashion from Silly Putty and Hate, Marjorie
0: Taylor.
1: Oops. ...against Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg for promoting electric vehicles.
3: But Democrats like Pete Buttigieg want to emasculate the way we drive.
1: He thinks electric cars should use the same bathrooms as gas-powered cars. I'm sorry, I'm a lady and I don't drive stick. I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. There's no way, there's no way to make that mean anything. Buttigieg, clap back.
4: I literally don't even understand what that means. I mean, my sense of manhood is not connected to whether my vehicle is fueled by gasoline or whether it's fueled by electricity.
1: Sounds like a guy who never connected his manhood to his car. That's how I check my oil level. Nature's dipstick. Over Over in Ukraine... Russians continue to have their asses handed to them on a bed of pickled cabbage. It's got some... It's gotten uh, some people worried that a cornered Putin may resort to using a tactical nuclear weapon. But the people of Ukraine are saying, screw that, literally, because some Ukrainians are responding to the threat of nukes by organizing an orgy. Well, yeah, that's what we all plan to do. It's all in that Cold War PSA. Suck and cover. (laughs) More than... Sure. What's the name of the turtle? What's the turtle's name? More than 15,000 people have already signed up for the orgy, which is set to take place on a hillside of Kiev with the intention to head there in the event of a nuclear attack as opposed to finding the nearest bunker. I get it. I mean, with the bombs falling, why kiss your ass goodbye? When you could have somebody else do it. We got a great oh. show for you tonight. Former White House speechwriter Tony Keaton is here.
2: But when we come back. Dr Anthony Fauci. Tony.
5: Oh.
0: What do you know? Okay, let's see here. Museums last week, not tonight with John Oliver. Urgent Trump news today, 6 a.m. Tapes released of Oath Keepers planning violence.
6: Stop following knowledge mastery. Stop following
7: self-mastery. If you are able to be sedition trial. It is Wednesday, October 5th, and I'm Brianna Keeler with John Berman. The Justice Department releasing tapes played in court during day two of the sedition trial of five members of the Oath Keepers. This comes from one of the group's alleged November 2020 meetings.
8: Members of the far-right militia were secretly recorded by one of the attendees. They discussed bringing weapons to Washington, D.C., and being prepared to fight on behalf of the former President
7: Donald Trump. CNN law enforcement correspondent Whitney Wilde is here with the very latest on this. Whitney, Well, Brianna, it was a bombshell moment very early on in a case that both the Defense and the Department of
9: Justice agree is one of the most important cases in decades. A new recording released by the Department of Justice of an alleged November 2020 planning meeting of the far right militia group, the Oath Keepers. You're going to go to DC and street fight anti prop. You're
3: going to get street fights, so you're going to go try to attack people. Don't be afraid, you know. Go there in large numbers.
9: Um, that's why we need to be there. Federal prosecutors played the secretly recorded audio during the second day of the trial of five associates of the Oath Keepers facing seditious conspiracy charges. All five defendants have pleaded not guilty.
10: Mm-hmm. This
9: is the first major piece of evidence presented at the trial that prosecutors have used to support their allegation the group planned to descend on Washington to prevent the peaceful transfer. Is it of a power.
0: Trump judge?
3: let antifa uh, go, if they go kinetic on us then we'll, we'll go kinetic back on them. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for that. Let the fight start there, okay? Now give President Trump what, what he needs frankly. Right? No
11: if yeah, things go kinetic, good. If they blow bombs up and shoot us, great, because that brings the president his, his reason to ration up. Right One of the things you have to prove in a conspiracy case is that there's an agreement to commit a future crime and this tape actually is that agreement occurring in real time as it's happening so it's very powerful evidence have- in his
9: second day Good. on the stand the prosecution's first witness fbi agent michael pallian nail the authenticity. the authentic- <laughs> I mean, trial of five associates of the oath keepers facing seditious conspiracy charges all five defendants have pleaded not guilty This is the first major piece of evidence presented at the trial that prosecutors have used to support their allegation. The group planned to descend on Washington to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. If the fight comes, let the fight come. Let Antifa go up. If they go kinetic on us, then
3: we'll we'll go kinetic back on them. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for that. Let the fight start there, okay? Now give President Trump what he needs, right? If, If things go kinetic, good.
11: And they bombs up and shoot us. Right. Because that brings the right One of the things you have to prove in a conspiracy case is that there's an agreement to commit a future crime, and this tape actually is that agreement occurring in real time as it's happening. So it's very powerful evidence.
9: In his second day on the stand, the prosecution's first witness, FBI agent Michael Pallion, confirming the authenticity of the audio Tuesday, testifying the meeting lasted two hours and was secretly recorded by an attendee. Pallion confirmed during cross-examination that the audio does not state January 6th as the date the group wanted to go to Washington, but instead was referencing a march in November 2020 that saw no violence. The audio predominantly features Oathkeepers leader Stuart Rhodes, who advocates for pressure on Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act and tells members they should be prepared to fight. We're not getting down, it's not a fight. It's gonna be a fight. But let's let's do it smart and let's do it while President Trump is still commander in chief. It's trying to get them to do his duty to step up and do it. So that's why you guys are at this point. Don't make it easy for them to pop you with conspiracy charge. Also on the recording is Oathkeeper Kelly Meggs discussing what weapons are legal in Washington, D.C. Pepper sprays, like all and stun guns are legal. And it doesn't hurt to have a pipe a flag on it. Pallion testified the person who recorded the meeting sent the tip to the FBI later in 2020, but was not contacted by agents. The person resubmitted the tip in March 2021, and it was then investigated. One defendant in the case, Thomas Caldwell, says he was not an active member of the group. Pallian testified that he was quote Wait, part of the group. When it was, was
0: had, under when Trump was uh when Barr was there. Wait, hold on.
9: Rhodes, who advocates for pressure on Trump to invoke the Insurrection Act and tells members they should be prepared to fight. But yeah, let's get down, so fight. It's be a fight. Yeah, this smart. Let's
3: do to do to Don't make it easy
9: for them to you a charge. Also on the recording is Oathkeeper Kelly Meggs discussing what weapons are legal in Washington, D.C. 100%. Testified the person who recorded the meeting sent the tip to the FBI later in 2020 but was not contacted by agents. The person resubmitted the tip in March 2021 2020. and it was then investigated. One defendant in the case, Thomas Guards 2021, says he was not an active member of the group.
0: By testified was in that
9: he was, quote, part of the group, even if he did not formally pay dues. Caldwell spoke outside the courthouse. <sighs> well, well, well. Well, well. There's a, there's a long way to go,
4: and the truth is going to come out. The truth is going to come out, and uh, I have all faith in uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's going to be fine. Mm-hmm.
5: The defense is
9: contending that what the audio actually shows is that these people were taking great pains to try to work within the law. Brianna, that is a theme that you'll see quite a bit throughout this trial.
7: Yes, I think we will. Whitney, thank you so much for that report. So this morning, President Biden and the First Lady are set to
8: travel to hard-hit Fort Myers, Florida to offer support in the wake of Hurricane Ian. The hurricane has now claimed 109 lives so far. The president will speak with home and business owners who have been pretty much wiped out by the storm. The president is also set to meet with Republican Governor Ron DeSantis today. Seen as Boris Sanchez standing by live in Fort Myers. Boris, what do we expect?
4: Good morning, John. Uh, President Biden is expected to keep a tight schedule when he arrives here in southwest Florida shortly before 1 p.m. The president first is set to take a helicopter tour of some of the most devastated areas in the region before sitting down with uh, federal, local, and state officials to discuss the recovery efforts, including Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. Uh, Those two obviously have had a Uh, Difficult political history, lobbying attacks back and forth over uh, a number of issues. Uh, The president is then set to hear from uh, local business owners as well as residents about their needs and the difficulty of recovering uh, amid a slow and devastating storm that hit them. Then the president will deliver some remarks affirming his support for Florida before departing back to the nation's capital shortly after 5 p.m., John. Of course, you mentioned the political differences
8: between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican, and President Biden, obviously, a Democrat. What's the White House saying about this meeting?
4: Yeah, John, uh, these two have collaborated before uh, amid heartbreak here in the Sunshine State. So uh, expecting fireworks today. Not likely. Uh, We've seen uh, Governor DeSantis welcome President Biden previously to Florida uh, following the Surfside condo collapse and that tragedy. Uh, The two of them... Uh, collaborating on that. Uh, yesterday we heard uh, Governor DeSantis uh, thanking the administration for expediting federal funds to help folks here in this region. President Biden had previously said that it's important for Americans to set aside their political differences at times of, of heartbreak. So we're not anticipating any public awkwardness between the two of them. But behind closed doors, who knows what that conversation is like, John? That's a great point, Boris. You're doing great work down there. Thank you so much. Russian President
8: Vladimir Putin signing new laws claiming to annex four Ukrainian regions, this after what the US called sham referenda there. And all while the Ukrainians retake territory in these very areas, Ukrainian forces broke through some Russian defenses in the south, liberating more every day. Fred Pleiken ink key for us, tracking the latest developments. Fred Ukrainian military continues to
2: make progress.
6: Yeah, they they certainly are making a lot a lot of progress actually over the past couple of hours. If you look at the east of the country, you look at the south of the country as well. The Ukrainians really are eating into that territory that had been held by Russian soldiers for a very long time. If you look in the hey guys, what if you could own vacation homes all across there the world areas that you love to visit with your friends and family, yet you could still earn into that territory that had been held by russian soldiers for a very long time if you look in the east especially john uh, the area around liman which obviously is one of those strategic towns a logistical hub it was for the russian military that's not only been taken by the ukrainians but they've managed to advance well beyond that as well and they continue uh, to do so so that obviously leaves a big problem for vladimir putin And you were just alluding to the fact that he has now signed that decree essentially annexing uh, those four areas he's also installed uh, temporary heads of those areas, which actually have already been in place before. But the big problem the Russians have right now is that they're essentially claiming that the Ukrainian military is on territory that they now consider to be territory of Russia. Uh, And uh, The huge issue that the Russians have with that is that right now it seems that they're in no position to try and take that territory. In fact, (laughs) it's the Ukrainians that are making headway. And if you look at some of the statements that have been coming from the Ukrainian side over the past couple of hours, they've been saying that these annexations means absolutely nothing. Obviously, in international law there's uh, pretty much no country that has recognized this. The Ukrainians are also saying they plan to take back all of their territory, including Crimea as well, John.
8: What's going on in the south near Kherson, which is a region the Russians have held, Mm. the most significant region the Russians have held since the beginning there, where the Ukrainians, again, are making some progress?
6: I would say I first want to say you're absolutely right it is definitely one of the most significant regions that the Russians have held in fact the capital of that region Kherson which is also called Kherson uh, that is a really important population center was also one of the first places that the Russians managed to enter uh, when they began their invasion in February and you know looking especially at late last evening the Ukrainians apparently have been making some sweeping gains in that area moving in from the north taking town after town village after village I think the Ukrainians themselves we're surprised uh, at, at, at the headway that they've been able to make. What we've also been doing, John, is we've also been watching state TV in Russia, and they are now also acknowledging that things are going they've got
0: very the moral authority, the especially there. In Russia the South. don't have the moral authority. Millions of, a again, of men are leaving so they don't they have to serve in the Russian military. So it seems
6: right now, they're in no position to do that, John. Truly notable and
0: fascinating when Russian
8: state TV starts to admit losing ground in key areas like Harrison. So, Fred, I know you'll be watching this very closely today. Thank you very much.
7: The mother of a six-year-old killed in the 2012 massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School testified Tuesday on what she's endured as a result of conspiracy theorist Alex Jones' coverage of the shooting. She says even while attending a grief meeting of mothers whose children were murdered by gun violence, one woman didn't believe her son's killing was real.
10: She looked at my necklace, and I have a picture of Ben. I have Ben's ashes in a treble clef, and I have this picture. And she said, who's that's that? That's so cool. And I said, that's my son Ben. He died in his first grade classroom at Sandy Hook School. And she said, what?
0: No, he didn't. And I said,
10: yeah, he, he died at Sandy Hook. She said, you're lying. That didn't happen. And I said, it did happen. She said, but they said it didn't happen. They said it was all a lie. And I said, who said? She said, they said. Who they? And I said, no,
0: it happened. Fucking moron. It really happened.
7: Alex Jones is no longer expected to retake the stand and testify Uh in his defamation trial today. Joining us now is CNN correspondent, Jean Casares. I mean, what a moment for her to endure, Jean. I, I, I was watching the testimony. It was amazing when she
12: said that. You know, as each and every parent takes the stand, legally it's called foundation, but they talk about their backgrounds, how they were raised, their dreams, their goals, their aspirations, what they achieved. And Francine Wheeler testified that as a little girl, she loved to sing. And she was a vocalist. And as she kept going, she kept singing. And when she finally became an adult, she moved to New York City. She got a job as a singing waitress. And then she went into musical theater. And for 20 years, it was her passion. Once she got married, once there was the massacre, she didn't want to know about this Alex Jones and that it was a hoax and a fraud. She didn't want to hear about it. But one night, she couldn't sleep. And so she watched, she testified each and every video of Alex Jones. She said that passion, that career that she'd had for so long was completely turned around. Take a listen.
10: They took my videos and my work of 20 years and they doctored them and they made fun of them and they said, look, see she's an actor and they they took they took my identity they took my husband's identity they took my surviving child's identity who was hiding in the gym
12: in the gym closet mm-hmm. he hid there brianna and that's how Good. they believe he survived
0: and there was Good nail mean, that,
7: she, she testified as well about how jones's lies affected her other son that's right he's in college
12: now But he wants to be anonymous. He doesn't really want to reveal his identity at all. She says he's been damaged. Take a listen.
10: Nate suffers from severe anxiety and other ailments, partly due to his trauma. I worry that he's never really going to know how to really trust the world. And that's really sad. He told him that his brother wasn't real. His best friend wasn't real. His best friend who was killed wasn't real. His best friend that he heard get killed wasn't real. That is, uh, that's devastating. And I'm worried for him.
12: I have to tell you this also. After lunch yesterday, this is an example of creative lawyering. One of the fathers was on the stand, and the question to him by the plaintiff's attorney was, during lunch, where were you? Oh, I was upstairs. What were you doing? I looked out the window, and I saw a press conference with Alex Jones. Then the question, minutes before that, your wife was testifying about the pain and the anguish that she had gone through with all of this. Did you see Alex Jones in this courtroom minutes before? No, he
7: wasn't there. Brianna, John? We know what these families have gone through, Gene. Uh, I mean, we know it, but to hear them in their own words is just, it is devastating, yeah. even just to listen to it. Gene, thank you so much. Thank you.
8: Happening today, the U.S. Security Council set to meet after North Korea test-fired a ballistic missile, causing alarm in Japan as it soared over that country. In response, the U.S. and South Korea launched four missiles off the east coast of the Korean Peninsula. CNN's Alex Marquardt live at the Pentagon with the very latest. Alex, this meeting today at the U.N., what do you expect from that?
11: Well, oh, good morning, John. This meeting was called by the United States uh, with the support of several allies. It's due to take place this afternoon. Uh, we do expect to hear widespread condemnation of this ballistic missile test, uh, though likely not unanimous condemnation because China and Russia uh, are also on the Security Council. Now, this test that, that, that North Korea conducted in clear violation uh, of the U.N. Security Council it is the longest-range test that we've ever seen out of North Korea, that rocket flying uh, almost 3,000 miles or some 4,600 kilometers. It's the 23rd uh, missile test just this year uh, by North Korea. Here's what the White House's John Kirby had to say. Take a listen.
10: We've made it clear to Kim Jong Un we're willing to sit down with no preconditions. We want to see the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. He hasn't shown an inclination to move in that direction, and quite, quite frankly, he's moving in the
1: opposite direction by continuing to conduct these uh, these missile tests, which are violations of Security Council resolutions. Did you know you can make passive income
7: by selling? Did you know it's true? That's exactly how I went from being a.
1: Uh, these missile tests, which are violations of Security Council resolutions.
11: So, John, not much optimism for denuclearization. In fact, some analysts expect that we could see a nuclear test uh, in the near future. So we do expect anger today at the UN, though uh, not clear whether any concrete action will be taken, John.
8: So if North Korea keeps doing this, Alex, I mean, the United States and South Korea launched these missiles off the Korean Peninsula today,
11: how does the U.S. handle this? Well, what the U.S. is keen to show right now uh, are two things, displays of unity and displays of ability. And and that's what we've been seeing over the past 24 hours. We have seen uh, that unity between uh, South Korea, Japan, and the United States, Uh, the U.S. and Japan carrying out... Uh, joint drills with fighter jets in, in the air and then on the ground, South Korea uh, and the U.S. Uh, launching long-range rockets, including uh, four uh, rockets that are known as attackums. They, they fly some 200 miles or, or 300 kilometers. Uh, the U.S. keen to show uh, that the U.S. can strike uh, and precisely uh, where, uh, where North Korea is launching these rockets from. Uh, so a real ratcheting up of the tension around the Korean Peninsula, John. Alex Marquardt at the Pentagon, great to have you this morning, thanks so much Alex. And we will speak to
8: former U.S. Defense Secretary Mark Esper on what this all means ahead. So the alleged abortion scandal surrounding Herschel Walker now has the Republican Party scrambling to continue <laughs> the fallout. We have new CNN reporting ahead.
7: And America's national debt topping $31 trillion, that's an all-time high. We're going to break down the grim financial milestone, Plus. 9 out of 10 Americans agree the U.S. is facing a mental health crisis, the issue that topped the list. Georgia Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker and his campaign are scrambling to contain the fallout from a new report alleging that in 2009, the hardline anti-abortion candidate paid for his then-girlfriend to have an abortion. Walker is denying the allegations. One person close to his campaign said, once we have more of the facts, we can go about our jobs and go win this thing. Joining me now is CNN reporter Gabby Or. Uh, Gabby, what is the latest here from the campaign?
13: Well, the campaign has gone silent since Monday evening when they first put out that initial denial that this happened. Um, and at that time, they had threatened to sue uh, the Daily Beast, which was the first to report this story, um, for defamation by Tuesday morning, uh, which they That's still what have Trump not does. done. Um, mm-hmm. We do know, based on what sources told me yesterday, that some of the senior campaign officials plan to have a frank conversation with Herschel Walker yesterday afternoon. Um, the goal of that conversation was basically to determine was there a relationship with this unidentified woman? If so, what was the nature of that? And how can we move forward from here? So as they're plotting their next steps as a campaign, um, in turmoil at this point, they they wanted to sit down with the candidate. We also know that campaign aides yesterday were making frantic calls to state legislators, to GOP officials across the state, even Mm -hmm. to their grassroots volunteers, um, just to to determine whether there had been some loss of support based Mm -hmm. on the story that broke. So that's where the campaign is as of this morning. Radio silent, we don't know uh, what Herschel Walker's schedule looks like, when he's going to hit the campaign trail next. And he did avoid questions yesterday uh, from CNN's Manu Raju, who was down on the ground in Florida trying to get into a campaign event to ask him about the story. The campaign would not let Manu in.
7: Has there been any loss of support? I mean, how
13: are Republicans, for instance, on Capitol Hill reacting to this? Look, the Senate is at stake this election cycle, and so Republicans are standing by Herschel Walker. Um, That's their primary goal, winning back the Senate, and the path to do so is... Partly through Georgia. And so the NRSC, uh, the, the Senate Leadership Fund, the, the group aligned with Mitch McConnell, have all come out with statements saying that he has denied the allegations and they are sticking by him. Um, I also spoke with a source at the NRSC yesterday who said that they're not even going to reconsider this eight and a half million dollar joint ad buy that they had set aside with the Walker campaign between now and election day so they're maintaining their investments in this race they are saying that he has sort of adequately met the, their threshold which is to deny these allegations and they're moving on and it's also worth noting Brianna that president trump former president trump came to walker's defense yesterday as well walker was essentially a hand picked candidate by donald trump much to the frustration of a lot of republicans who said from the get go he was vulnerable and had Uh, might have issues with electability, but Trump came to his defense yesterday.
7: All right, so much ahead in this story, I think. Gabby, thank
8: you. CNN, in partnership with the Kaiser Family Foundation, finds that 9 out of 10 people believe there is a mental health crisis in the United States. With me now is CNN medical correspondent, Dr. Taryn Arula.
0: Yeah, people are, the society's of insane. When they
8: say there's a mental health
5: crisis. Yeah, the so, of course, are people great, are, too. better time to get a snapshot of how Americans are feeling than now, after we're coming off of COVID, when we're seeing record levels of drug overdoses, and even increasing suicide rates. So, the Americans that they polled, about 2,000 over the summer, identified a couple things as crises. Over two-thirds identified the opioid epidemic. About 50% mental health problems in kids and teens or severe mental illness in adults, Uh, another uh, 45% highlighted anxiety and depression, and then get this, about 39% pointed to stress and anxiety over politics and mm-hmm. about twenty five percent pointed to loneliness and just overall about one in three noted some anxiety in the prior year, about twenty percent depression and loneliness, and twenty percent said they couldn't go to work because of a mental yeah. health condition There's or a problem over drop. the past year. That's quite a list right you there. The lock up Trump. What are some of the barriers to getting care? Well that's really the question we all need to answer is how can we fix this? And so when they looked at what people identified, about eighty percent pointed to cost, not surprisingly, I have so many people tell me I can't pay five hundred dollars for a therapy session, many also pointed to insurance. Either insurance didn't cover it in the same way they cover we physical. Need
0: Medicare illness, for all or for... Didn't cover the provider um, another percentage, high percentage
5: identified stigma, which is unfortunate to hear that. Um, and then, uh, about 50%
0: well, preventative identified general idiots. providers,
5: right? They're just not enough. And I hear that often too. People say, I can't get an appointment. I can't find someone. But I think this is also important and stood out to me. About 35% of people said they didn't feel comfortable talking to family or friends about their own mental health problems. Uh, and why? Um, because they felt they would be judged. They felt they might not be received with compassion. They didn't want to be a burden. So... We need to do a better job as families, as friends, of making people feel that it's okay to bring this up. And, in fact, the people polled also highlighted the fact that individuals and families need to take an equal role in solving this, as do healthcare care providers. Um, so I think there's a lot that we can do you know, as a community for others. That's interesting,
8: because I think we are doing a better job talking about mental health and taking stock than we were, but maybe not good enough, which gets to an issue we talked about before, which is when you look at these numbers, 90% say we're a mental health crisis. Is that because more Americans are having mental health problems or is it because we're finally recognizing the challenges that we face?
5: I think, John, we don't have a clear answer to that. Certainly, we're seeing numbers go up. We're seeing people feel more comfortable about talking about it. But I think it's a combination of both. And there were actually specific groups that in this uh, survey really reported poor mental health. And those groups were the younger ages, which Mm. we've talked a lot about, 18 to 29 lgbt community those with poor physical health um, and then there was also those who had economical financial hardship in particular those who made less than about forty thousand dollars a year and financial stress was really kind of at the top of the list but again i think one other thing to highlight that we don't often talk about is what happens to family members of those who have mental health problems about half of the people surveyed said they had a family member who had a significant mental health problem in the last year and that affected their own mental health their own finances, their own relationships. So it's kind of this ripple effect. Um, but it's not its not a good picture.
8: No, no, but it's clearly something we should all take on because it benefits all of us, as you said, because there is this ripple effect. Dr. Taranarula. really interesting stuff. Thank you very much. You. U.S. markets surging in an October relief rally after the September sell-off. Christine Romans is here on what we need to make of all of this because I need to know. Plus... Sources tell CNN that Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchett have divorced attorneys now. They have hired. To...
4: Yeah.
0: So what? Um. That's not Trump news, by the way. Here's the fucking Mr. Trump who's... Not fucking Trump news. Uh-huh. The Victorian hospital. Joseph Merrick, the elephant man. Justice Jackson throws cold water on Scotus Thomas effort to save Trump's emergency request. Ooh. Women's spot. They just, like, put me down a rabbit hole. Though no Trump news. It's trump news.
11: states. Some nation states like China have
0: The Federal Appeals Court has decided to
8: expedite the Justice Department's challenge to the legality of a special master overseeing the review of thousands of documents seized from Mar-a-Lago It comes after Donald Trump drew the Supreme Court into the fray With me now is David Schoen. He was a lawyer for Trump during his second, second impeachment trial and he's now representing Steve Bannon in his border wall fraud trial. Counselor great to see you I want to talk about a subject that you and I have been discussing now for some time, which is the idea of mens rea, which in this case broadly means what did Donald Trump know about the documents
0: Trump it's hoping more Supreme Court will intervene in the mar case.
8: The story over the last few days, first from the Washington Post and then mashed parts of it by CNN, is that
0: Trump asked
8: a lawyer, Alex Cannon, after the first group of boxes were returned to the archives, asked this attorney, Alex Cannon, to say, "Okay." That was everything. That was all the documents you asked for, Mark, classified. And the the reporting is that Alex Cannon said, I can't say that. This attorney said, I can't say that because I don't know that to be true. Okay, what's
2: the legal significance of that? Well, first of all, I have to back up one step. I I personally wouldn't believe anything that Alex Cannon says. Um, He's a guy who has proven himself in the past to... uh, say anything he's asked to say in my experience at least but um can i say if he's going
8: to say anything he's asked to say if he felt he could get away with it if donald trump asked him just
2: to say that was everything returned would he say that well first of all i think the government has turned the screws to alex cannon and justin clark quite frankly now so uh, again I, I just don't think they have any credibility but your question still stands i think it's a valid question whoever said that um yeah i think that uh there would be some significance as it's playing out now you know we have the representation later that uh, that all classified documents were returned that apparently turns on whether the documents were declassified whether there was the authority to declassify them and so on so it may be a semantic issue but uh i think that you know obviously the uh the investigation is interested in both both statements it does raise questions you're saying,
8: I'm not saying it answers them, but it raises questions about what Donald Trump knew and that maybe he did
2: know that he was in possession of classified documents.
0: Of course he knew. Duh. The statements as reported certainly raise that question. I think that's a fair thing for you to say, certainly. Um, the question is how that's going to play
2: out. Uh, and, and again, if the, if the answer turns on that the documents were properly declassified, um, you know, that, that sort of determines the issue in some sense. Uh, The Supreme Court, so now the Trump team
8: has taken a very specific part of this case to the Supreme Court, and that's what I want to ask you here. They've asked the Supreme Court to to overturn uh, the appeals court, but in doing so, they say they're not asking for DOJ to stop investigating the documents more classified. So, in essence, I'm asking, what does that matter then?
2: Right. Well, as usual you've gone right to the point it is a very narrow uh, request the request is that the special master also be able to uh review those hundred documents but quite frankly i think that with the decision on tuesday by the 11th circuit to expedite the merits of the appeal it's even less likely that the supreme court would or should take this case remember the standard for the supreme court to take it is irreparable harm Now what's happening in the 11th circuit is, uh, on October 14th, the government's going to file their brief on the merits. By November 17th, the whole issue of whether there was the authority to appoint a special master is going to be before the court. And frankly, even though this other panel has decided about the uh, classified documents, um, I think that that issue can still be raised before the new panel that's going to be assigned uh, to hear the merits of the appeal. And quite frankly, I'm a little surprised by the procedural question anyway. They cite in their brief a rule from the 11th Circuit that says they can't get en bonds review, meaning to have the whole court review that panel decision um, that uh, you know allowed the Justice Department to go forward and restricted Judge Deary from considering those documents. But that rule says that any such motion would be treated as a motion for reconsideration by the panel. Remember, they had
8: a pretty favorable panel. They had two of the five best judges they could get on the 11th Circuit. David Schoen, I'm sorry we're short on time today. I promise you will continue this conversation soon.
7: And if their party takes the House in the next month's midterms, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas, not President Biden, is their number one target for impeachment over problems at the southern border. Joining me now is CNN Capitol Hill reporter Melanie Zanona. So, Melanie, why are House Republicans so eager to impeach Mayorkas of all people?
14: Well, a huge reason is politics. Republicans are thirsty for revenge after Donald Trump's two impeachments. The base has really been demanding impeachment of either Joe Biden or one of his cabinet officials. Those calls are only going to grow louder if Republicans take over the House. And so far, Republicans have really zeroed in on Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of Homeland Security, as their number one impeachment target. That is because they, A, think it's going to be more palatable inside their party to go after a political appointee versus a sitting president. And B, they think Mayorkas, at least in their minds, embodies one of the issues that animates Republicans the most, which is the southern border. And Republicans say Mayorkas has failed to secure the border. He has failed to enforce immigration laws. And just take a listen to what GOP Congressman Chip Roy told my my colleague Manu Raju about potentially impeaching Mayorkas.
4: I think that's something that we
14: ought to consider. Um, But, you know, impeachment cases are things you build. I've circulated memoranda
6: articulating why I think that the um, actions he has taken rise to the level of impeachability. Um, But again, I think you build cases.
14: Now, not everyone in the party thinks this is a good idea. There are some moderates who are worried about political blowback over immediately moving to impeach, but it is an idea that is gaining steam in the Republican conference, including from some key McCarthy allies. It is an issue that McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, the GOP leader, will have to face almost immediately if he takes over as Speaker. so far, he has really sidestepped this is my questions. Saying they're not going to predetermine the outcome, but not ruling it out either.
7: Interesting to hear Chipoy say that they're continuing to build their case as we speak, though. Has Mayorkas responded at all to this?
14: So the Department of Homeland Security has really defended its handling of the border. They have said that the Department will have uh, removed or expelled more individuals encountered at the border this year than any other year. They have also said that they have seized over 10,000 pounds of fentanyl from coming across the border this year. So really, they have just strongly defended their position.
12: Do you know why so many smart people never hit their full potential? It's not lack of resources, opportunity, time, or any of that stuff because of the other thing
6: okay. hey my name is peter sage and listen i don't care if you know my name this video isn't about me it's about you it's they say that the secretary is solely focused on his initial
12: <gasps> at dhs but i can also tell you behind the scenes the administration is staffing up and taking
14: other steps to prepare for potential investigations and impeachment i know you'll continue to follow this story for us
8: with us. What do the numbers tell us?
0: <laughs> Elizabeth?
3: John, what the numbers tell us is that it is difficult, actually impossible,
9: for women in 14
3: states to get abortions in their states. Let's take a look at a map. In these 14 states, the Hugh Institute says there are no abortion providers.
0: None. These are states that...
3: States within the there are no more clinics that offer abortions. Now, if we look at it this way: look at it another way. More than
9: 125,000
3: women got abortions. So that's the number per year. More than 125,000 women are seeking abortions in those states, and they're not going to be
10: able to get them. Not that- South Carolina.
3: Indiana, where they do also have near total or total abortion bans, but the courts have stepped in. But it's temporary. The courts could step back out, and
8: those bans would be back on there. Interesting to see how quickly things like this develop.
7: Elizabeth, oh, thank you very right. much. Pennsylvania Republican Senate candidate Mehmet Oz is under fire. This time, the controversy stems from a report on the website Jezebel scrutinizing his medical research at Columbia University. It's prompted animal abuse accusations from his Democratic opponent in that race, John Fetterman. Now, so cool. Now, so
10: Jessica, I, I can't say
12: I saw. How it's impacting one of the most closely watched races
10: in the country. Well, good morning to you,
3: Bionna. And yes, this is been one of the key races coming up in the midterms. And now we're seeing Dr. Bennett Austin, medical research the
0: becoming under scrutiny here he as a principal investigator
3: at Columbia University's Institute of Comparative Medicine lab, according to public documents and, and, and other documents that CNN has reviewed. He was the principal investigator there, and that research uh, was uh,
9: focused on a number of animals, including...
3: Dogs. And as the, uh, over, the that principal investigator, his overall responsibility was for the safety and compliance within that research. Now, recently, within the last week, the website Jezebel published a new report saying that between 1989 and 2010, over 300 dogs were killed in the process of... Of that research. Also, that Columbia University paid a $2,000 no. fine uh, for all uh, of this. And as you can imagine, uh, Oz's rival, Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, has jumped at this chance to attack Oz, uh, tweeting and coming out with a number of things, critical among them this tweet saying Dr. Oz kills puppies. That's the tweet. So, Fiona, that kind of gives you uh, the, the layout of what's going on here. Okay, creative tweet, and obviously not going to be good news for dog lovers out there in this state. The question is, this is it going to have an impact on the race? Have we heard from Dr. Oz and his campaign? Is it possible? Yes, we have heard from them. You can imagine they were, uh, they wanted to, to get out there, and the campaign did want uh, to comment on this. I'll read you what the campaign said. They said, uh, Dr. Oz never abused any animals and suggesting otherwise is ridiculous. Dr. Oz was not in the operating room when the operations were done. He wasn't present during the post op treatment. No one alerted him of the problems after the cases were finished. And he does not even know the mystery of animals. Again, that coming from Mehmet Oz's campaign. And, Deanna, it's worth noting, again, how Right now, we've got this 50-50 split uh, with Democrats controlling the Senate. Uh, this is an open seat in Pennsylvania, and this race continues tight. So a lot of us are on this race to see who will win. And again, it could absolutely control, uh, determine who controls the Senate. Very
7: important race. A lot of money being spent. It is down to the wire. Jessica Dean, thank you. And indeed, the countdown is on. Less than five weeks to go until the
8: midterm elections. Both the House and the Senate very much up for grabs. You can see the dates circle on the toes. One of the issues that could tip the scales, joining us now, pollster, communication strategist, Frank Lunds. Frank,
6: great to see you. Since we just had that report on Pennsylvania, let me ask you about the Commonwealth. Where do you see that race at this point? In what direction is
8: it heading? It has been pretty solidly in the Democratic camp up until about two weeks ago when you can see moving to the surface one point... Had about a
2: 10-point lead, and now it's down in most polls to somewhere between four and six points. It's clear the Democrats still have the advantage, and this is a Republican-held seat. It is an open seat, but there was a Republican senator before. So this would represent a Democratic pickup, an important pickup, should they win. But the race had been tightening. Uh, Dr. Oz has started to do advertising, which is having an impact. And both candidates, the negatives for both candidates, have been rising. Over the past few weeks, and in fact, this is happening across the country. As voters see all this negative, see the attacks going back and forth and say, a plague on both your houses. Even (laughs) as we say that, and as the important
8: political report has moved this race into a toss-up, it is still narrowly democratic, but it is... Over the past six months, we have been investigating as well as exposing
6: the truth behind all of these food processing plants that have been catching on fire and burning to the ground. The Dutch farmers in the Netherlands protesting against their government, how the people in Sri Lanka nearly starve to death because of a ban
0: on synthetic fertilizer. Move this place into a toss-up. It's still narrowly democratic,
7: but it is too close to call Internationally, as with every election, the economy is a major factor for voters going into an election. Talk about yeah. what impact you think that OPEC's announcement yesterday, they're going to be cutting production by 2 million barrels, will huh? have for voters if, in fact, we do see, as we anticipate, a rise in
3: gas
2: prices. If we do see that spike, it'll have a significant impact and it will be harmful for Democratic candidates. Oil prices, as we can see, electricity, gas has dropped over the last three months, and that has helped blunt some of the criticisms. By the way, it's really not inflation that the public responds to. It's costs, crisis and most importantly, affordability. When voters cannot afford to eat their homes, buy their food, and pay their mortgages, they're angry. And they're going to be angry at the party in power. If the debate is instead about abortion or social issues, if the argument is about Donald Trump and what's happening in Mar-a-Lago, that is good for Democrats because a majority of Americans are still negative towards the former president. And it removes that really influential vote-moving issue of, are you better off today than you were two years ago? And right now, the House is too close to call. Republicans have a narrow advantage. If you force me to project, I'd say the Republicans end up with a 5-10 to 10 seat majority, but that is lower oh. than what it looked like a few months ago. What about the Senate? The Senate, I, yeah, I, I keep reading these reports, and I do focus groups across the country. I look at cities like Arizona, North Carolina, New Hampshire, New Mexico, a number of states, Nevada, where... where where Republicans have fallen behind, they have narrowed
0: the gap in these places, but the Democrats still have an advantage. So, if you had to project it right now, Democrats not only keep the Senate, but they'll add one or two Senate seats. But I want to emphasize to viewers out there that there are enough swing voters, and there is enough doubt, and a lack of clarity on the campaigns to be run on in these last five weeks that Republicans could still win. This channel is part of the History Hit Network. Fuck. What happened? Shit. No. Oh man, I lost it. Hmm. What was that? I mean, that was, uh... Promotes Tarim reporting, uh, reporting. Farked Dilmem. Uh, let's watch some Fox. Fed's closing in on Hunter Biden <laughs>
7: a federal gun form. The legal fate of the first son now in the hands of a Trump appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware. Sources telling Fox the matter remains in a sensitive and critical phase. The feds appear to be closing.